Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Chris and Andre Show. Super glad you joined us. Uh, my boy Chris over here is preening, so uh, that leaves me to be Andre. How you doing, Chris? I'm doing pretty good. <laughs> Looking super fly, That's... apparently. No. <laughs> I mean, like, my dude's feeling himself. Uh, we're, we're glad you guys have joined us today. Um, and we really do appreciate everybody hanging out with us. If you're listening to us audio only, take a moment, find us on YouTube, subscribe, like, hit the notification button. We'd really appreciate that. Um, yeah, it's uh, it's great to to do, keep doing this. It's been almost what two years, two and some change. A little over, over two years two. now. Yeah. yeah. So um, we talk about everything that's going on in our lives, and you know, just trying to help each other to become a better person, one conversation at a time. Last couple of weeks, we've had some guests, um, and that's been great. Some guests. Well, they're they are your kids. Yeah, well, they count. <laughs> I mean, they do. They do. No, it was great. Uh, you know, we had Christian on two weeks in a row mm-hmm. and Matt joined us um, last week, which was nice. Like I thought, you know, both of their perspectives haven't gotten that episode published yet, but that should be coming out here soon. Um, but yeah, like I, I, we were just talking about before we jumped on, like it's kind of nice, I think to just be back to me and you a little bit. I mean, like, you know, I love having guests on. It's always nice to get their takes on stuff, but um, sometimes it's, it's harder to kind of steer the direction of the show, I guess, or to make sure that we touch on the things that we want to. Plus, they just start spouting off some crap about yeah, this and yeah, that, and we're just like, crap. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I say that, and like uh, two of our guests have been my kids. I, I don't have to listen. Like, I listen to the episode with just Christian. I'm like, yo, I should just send him to his room, man. Um, I don't think I liked his attitude. Uh, that would have been great at some point. <laughs> Just go to your room. But anyway, we're going to get into it. Uh, we have some quick hits. Let's make that happen. Quick hits. First up, Facebook is in the news a lot lately, as I've not made it. Um, well, I've been very clear on my position on Facebook. So this is some of its welcoming news, and it's, it's kind of, you know, uh, it's predicating some things that we've talked about in the past. And it actually kind of wraps it up in a nice bow for us. So they spent $20 billion last quarter on stock buybacks, and they lost a, a good chunk of change just last quarter. Uh, they saw some tankage on, on, this, on the street. Um, and I know that a lot of people tried to focus in on that, but there were a few other people that took a hit also. I just really have a sense that they are running out of steam as far as being relevant. So, yeah. I mean, Zuckerberg even addressed it in, you know, like a, the follow-up call Aaron's or whatever, call, yeah. right? Yeah, where he was like, I mean, look, there's a lot of competition for people's attention right now. And, like, TikTok is giving us a run for our money in terms of its ability to keep people engaged. And, you know, like, it's one of those things where... On the one hand, like, you know, you, you understand and I guess to some degree can appreciate, like, the desire to be the number one platform and that, you know, like, or whatever their goal is as a company. And that as part of that, right, you have to capture people's attention. But I just think it's one of those where, you know, like, at some point, aren't you okay with people not being on Facebook, right? Like, at some point during the day, shouldn't it be okay that people are on TikTok or on Twitter? Like, that we don't have to only exist in this one 
you know, metaverse. Oh, and you almost don't want to do that because another thing <laughs> that rolls right into that is apparently they had to put protective bubbles on uh, the avatars and metaverse because of groping. Um, and there was a rumor of like virtual rape. Um, and I don't know how true that is. I, I just feel like. Well, I don't think metaverse is going to be a thing, to be honest with you. I, I think it's going to be like a, a, a pretty cool and short-lived fad. I know people are buying, quote-unquote, meta real estate. But, yeah, you guys have opened yeah. up Pandora's box, and now we have meta rape um, and groping going on. And they they put this out, you know, half-baked, so... Well, shocking there, right? A tech yeah. company does something half-baked. Did they hire Elon Musk while we were sleeping? Was that- <laughs> oh, man. Gosh, I should have put this in the rundown also because Elon is, he's going to be on, the, he'll probably be on the radar next year, and next week, because I'm sure he's about to implode. But yeah. another, you know, fizzle-dizzle that happens to uh, like to implode on stuff because everything's all about him is uh, Donna, Jennifer, uh, Triana Trump. Um, Are we going on to our next topic here? <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. We, okay, we, me, no, it's okay. No, we, we, well, you usually are like next. That's right. I was gonna run it back and do it next, but I'm sorry. But he thought no, it's he okay. really thought that the uh, Facebook troubles were because you know people are going to use the Truth Social Network, which I found hilarious. So that is hilarious. I mean, I'm <laughs> I'm not surprised that he thought it was all about him. You know, like, <laughs> that seems to be his M.O. So, you know, I guess, like, thank you, Donald Trump, for giving us what we expected. <laughs> exactly. All right. Yeah. Next. <laughs> <laughs> the real next here. Uh, then we crossed the, we started crossing streams. I actually, unfortunately, watched this interview uh, with Joe Manchin and Lisa Murkowski over sun- on Sunday. Uh, what a hot... I don't know what, what I'm, it was beyond like terrible. It was just like, wow. Like, I don't know what to say. <laughs> Andre is speechless. There's, this is a first, everybody. I was grandly disgusted, very irritated. I just couldn't, like, I just couldn't. I, I don't know what his, his deal is. I know he's, he's secure in West Virginia. I just think the Democrats need to look at different, uh, different states for representation to help them to move whatever agenda they they try to get past. I mean, that's that's the solution at this point, right? It's not that you're going to magically convince, uh, you know, Manchin and Cinema all of a sudden to, like, get with the program, right? And get this stuff passed. Or at least have, like, talking points that are relevant to whatever the agenda of the party you're associated with. It's not that they have to agree with everything. It's just that they don't offer any solutions. So. No, yeah, you're right. It's not about agreeing with everything, but just the fact that, I mean, at no point, no matter what you say, right, they're opposition for opposition's sake. And so there is no talking point because there is no, there is nothing that you will give them that will make them happy. It's just about attention. And the longer that they can keep their name in the headlines, the better it is for them in the long run because they feel like, Right? What do I get to do eventually? I get to write a book. Oh, my, you know, my time's in <laughs> Congress. And, you know, I mean, it's the same thing with uh, mutant teenage Marjorie Taylor Greene. Like, she, she's going to do the exact same thing, you know, where, like, she's just going to, like, pump this for all it's worth. I mean, Sarah Palin. Yeah. 
right? I mean, like, this is not the first time this has happened. It won't be the last. It's just, this is how our government works now. It's essentially nothing more than an avenue to write books about how fucked up the government is. Instead of, like, actually going in and trying to fix it, I'm just going to go in, participate, observe, and then write a book about how shitty we all were when I was in the White House or wherever I it's was. It's awful because the whole the, the point they kept trying to bring up was bipartisanship. And, I'm like, and, their, and their example was how they could talk to each other. And I'm like, I just want to call them out and just say, and what are you working on to provide solutions? Like, absolutely nothing. Right. Yeah, like, where are you in trying to bring the Republicans that you're, you know, supposedly so close with and are ready to work with to the table to actually discuss these bills and how we get them pushed forward, right? And not saying, like, push forward in their current form, but whatever adjustments or, you know, issues, sticking points the Republicans have, how do we address that, right? How do we take care of those issues? Is there something that we can do? It's because, I mean, even with Manchin, like, he's repeatedly sat here and been like, oh, well, you know, I'm cool with $1.8 trillion, but not $2.2 trillion. That $400 million is just way too much. And I get it, like, $400 million is a lot of money. But when we're looking at the grand scheme of thing and on a percentage-wise basis, like, all right, you guys spend that much money on the freaking government's defense program, like, every six months. So, and I, I, again, I understand that defense is an important thing, and I'm not saying, like, we don't need to defend ourselves. Like, just let Russia run amok. But I don't know. It's just, it's really frustrating at this point because it just, it feels like, again, it's obstruction for obstruction's sake. There's no real goal in getting anything done. It's more like the less we can do and the more we can argue about it, the better we all are. Well, if we're patient, we can let uh, the inevitable happen. So in South Dakota, Governor Christy Newham, or Newham, or Newham, I don't know how to pronounce her last name, uh, she's getting attacked by her own party in the state because she tried, she's trying to pass bills that are um, very MAGA Trumpist and I think there's a lot of pushback so the moderate uh, Republicans that may be in the populace but not on television or on social media are, are probably I think they, enough's enough so it'd be great to see these guys kind of uh, implode and, and I, I say that with all like Sincerity. I want them to implode so they can probably, get, you know, be an actual good opposition party so that hopefully there can be some progress, progress in federal government. But at the state level, which is where I like to spend a lot of my focus on, so it's interesting to see that's happening quicker. Yeah, definitely. The other thing with this group of politics is uh, the North Carolina Supreme Court has decided to reject the GOP's um, lack of a better word, racist power grab maps, and I couldn't be happier. So, yeah. Yay, so but you, where was it that they just did the opposite? Right? Wasn't there another state? It was like... It was Alabama. Yeah, where they said, no, nah, you don't have to redraw those maps. That's fine. No, Alabama's a pretty racist state. Of course, that was the actual Supreme Court, not the North Carolina right. Supreme Court. So that should explain pretty much everything you need to know there. The theory is, and I know that Georgia's got a uh, another fight also, or a similar fight, where they have things in their bill that they're trying to pass. I think it's HB 523, if I remember correctly, where they're actually unconstitutional to their state constitution. So... If you want to really do a better job in politics, focus in your own backyard as opposed to being so worried about um, the, the federal system. Anyway, <laughs> next. 
breaking, breaking news because we've seen it before. It just couldn't be Scarlett Johansson suing the, the studio that released the movie. Now Warner Brothers is being sued over the release of uh, Matrix Res- uh, Resurrection, uh, Resurrections on HBO Max. They said, they're saying the same thing. We didn't make enough money because you did this streaming slash theatrical release. And I'm just going to tell them... Mm, the movie sucked. <laughs> so. Yeah, in this case, that had very little to do with whether or not that movie was going to make any money. Yeah. Because as soon as everybody that was going to go see it the first weekend went to go see it, we told everybody else that wasn't going to go see it the first weekend, do not waste your money. I really, I don't think that I've heard a positive review of that movie from anybody. And I know that, like, reviews are typically very critical, but usually there's, like, somebody out there who's like, no, I mean, actually, it was a pretty good... I, I cannot remember a single one, <laughs> so... Good luck, guys. I, I mean, uh, I, I just saw it was hilarious. When I saw that headline, I was like, you guys are kidding me, right? Your movie was garbage. Um, if anything... Yeah, it was awful. Yeah, I mean, if, they're wanna, if they want to take that route, they should say, okay, so did you increase your subscriptions for that, or... Um, comparatively, you know, uh, a week before, a week after, with the release of the movie, and maybe they have an argument, but I doubt that. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, next. <laughs> car companies, car companies. These next two headlines are just mind-numbingly insane. So, uh, car companies are trying to charge you a subscription for things you already have in your car. Let me repeat that. It is actually a a strategy to make money in subscriptions for things you have in your car. For things like, yeah. I don't know, uh, auto-adjusting headlights, for example, BMW. Uh, yeah. The remote start for your vehicle because you use their app. Isn't that insane? Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean... Honestly, right, uh, we're at the point now where it feels like that's what everybody's doing, right? This like, it's it's all about the monthly recurring income, right? Yeah. Or monthly recurring revenue. And so how do we make sure that that happens, right? People aren't buying cars every month. People are servicing their cars maybe less because they're not driving quite as right. much. And so how are we going to make more money? Oh, we'll just start charging them for the stuff that we're already putting in their car, right? Like, which, yeah, it's, it's one thing if... You know, like, honestly, I could see it if you were to say, like, hey, this is, like, it's a subscription service because there's a software program, you get updates to the software, you know, yada, yada. But essentially, that's all been built into the price of the car up front, historically, right? They've accounted for that. It's not like they just gave it away and were like, oh, my goodness, we didn't realize how much it was going to cost us to update software on everybody. Like, no, that's not what happened. Um, So, yeah, it just feels, I mean, very... It's like, you know, the restaurant that starts losing money. And so their solution is we're going to, a Mexican restaurant, they're like, we're going to start charging for chips and salsa. (laughs) Right? Like, no, dude, now I don't want it. Right? That's cool. Heated seats? Nah, I'm good. You're going to charge me a monthly fee to keep my butt warm. I'll just wear an extra layer of pants. Like. Yeah, cars didn't always have heated seats. It's it's insane, and I I don't understand their logic as a developer. I'm like, how do you how do you justify that? I mean, you're making a market for uh, 
third-party vendors. You're going to lose customers because now they're going to buy the base model vehicle. And if I can get aftermarket upgrades, then I'll do that. So, yeah. you know. Good on you, car companies. Thanks. Well, at least well, <laughs> Ford is actually trying to reel back the dealerships who are um, ripping people off. Now, I don't, I don't want to say ripping people off. Uh, they have unreasonable prices. So, and I, I actually agree with what's in the headline. Ford Boss puts the kibosh on unreasonable dealer markups. Uh, an example would be the Ford Lightning F-150. So they are, they are sold out, and they, but the deal, there are dealerships that are trying to uh, increase markup above and beyond MSRP, and it's not an inventory. Mm-hmm. So, you know, kudos to Ford in that aspect of trying to do that. Um, I, I, the boomerang effect that they're not looking out for is that people have a long memory. And if people are actually owning cars for actually seven years now, uh, you're trying to get yourself off the list of the consideration. So. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, you know, I think it's one of those where most of us have never really enjoyed the car buying experience. It's never been pitched as something where it's like, this is fun. It's always like, you're probably going to get screwed. And your goal is to get screwed as little as possible, right? right? And it shouldn't be that way. Like, it just, it shouldn't be that difficult for you to buy something as, in this country, that's as essential as a car. And I I know different places, it's not the same, even within this country. But I just think it's one of those where, you know, like, it ought to be pretty straight. I don't go into Best Buy right and be like all right that dishwasher i know it says 399 <laughs> but i looked it up online and you guys only pay 250 for it so like here's what i'm going to do i'll give you 300 dollars for it and we'll just call it a day right like no nobody walks into best buy and starts negotiating on the price of so why do we do that at car dealerships right and you know- and you're starting from a position of the car dealer being an advantage because he's got what he already paid for it what he can afford to sell it at even at a loss and still make money on it somehow right like there's no win for the consumer there. well I, I think that well one thing i learned i took a, a class in negotiations we're the only country that does not negotiate like across a lot of like a lot of uh, markets, we do not negotiate. Other countries, negotiation is is actually an expectation. Um, mm-hmm. But we're one of the few countries. I, I can't. It was a one European country, but it was it kind of made sense. It was like yeah, okay. But for the most part, we're the only country that pays sticker price or retail for you know ninety percent of our, our of our goods. So I think it's interesting. Um, but I also think that. Uh, there, there, are, there are like things that are going to come back and bite you in the end. So people, like consumers and, and markets, have a long memory. They, they remember, and that, like and one example would be Peloton. Right, Peloton was riding yeah. really high, you know, during COVID. Now they're like struggling. So anyway, next, man, I got three things to say. Well, three things to talk about, four <laughs> words to say. I told you so. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> Gen Z and millennials are, are they're finally at this point where they're saying it's a terrible time to buy a house. And a lot of like recent home buyers are saying, I really didn't want to buy this house. <laughs> and I'll sum it up to this. It's a hot market, low inventory, high prices. And we've talked about this numerous times on this podcast. And it's not the time to buy a house right now. 
you're never going to see them. If you buy a $400,000 house and it's really only worth three twenty-five dollars to three forty, dollars you're never going to see that money again. You're starting off in a negative equities standpoint. Why would you do that, right? Like, that's what I never understood about that market where people were just throwing cash offers at, you know, 100000 over asking price. Like, how stupid are you, you know? Like, or, or just how lavishly rich are you that you've got an extra hundred thousand dollars to just blow because yeah like that money's not coming back you're never going to see it again and what's interesting is i saw in the articles and it, it makes sense um people would buy homes in places they didn't want to be at and and spend you know go get a loan for like a hundred thousand dollars to, to uh, do remodeling I'm like, why would you do that like you've already paid premium or like kind of at cost and now you're just yeah deeper in debt. So I will say this to the cows come home. Not everybody needs to own a home. It is not all it's cracked up to be. Sure, it is, it's an avenue to make more money in the, in the long term, right? Like, and typically 10 to 15 years, the average person in the, in the state we live in, especially this county I live in, it's, they own a house for like three, you know, three to five years. So it's not worth it. <laughs> it's just not worth it. The next thing I have is uh, I was reading this article in CNBC, and it said the biggest reason people quit is 10 times more important than pay. And ever since I was a youngin in business, I knew that, or I learned that the, the top two reasons, and it holds true today, that people leave companies is lack of training and poor treatment. Well, you summarize those into 2022 terms, 2021, a toxic environment. Merry Christmas, uh, economy, uh, employers. Fix the basics and you'll be fine. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> this certainly isn't shocking news to you or I. Uh, we've both been in this position of choosing jobs that pay less to have a better work life, right? Or a better, just a better life in general. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, like, I'm, I guess it's maybe good that companies will start to recognize that it's not just about how much you're paying your employees, but like how you actually treat them and whether or not they feel like they've been properly trained for the job that you're asking them to do. Um, because hopefully that means that the marketplace changes, right? That corporations and companies, the employers start looking at it as, oh, I got to do better, right? right. Um, you yeah. Yeah, so far that doesn't seem to be the case. They seem to think, well, we just throw more money at the problem and that that other problem over here will just go away, right? People are willing to work for a certain amount of money. And I think like there's an element of truth to that. People will put up with crappy conditions for a certain amount of pay for a certain amount of time. But inevitably, that person is going to be miserable. They won't be as effective as, at their job as they could be. And they are still ultimately going to leave, which is going to cost you money down the road. So figure it out. <laughs> <laughs> Next. <laughs> Andre's like, somebody's been listening. <laughs> Here are four things, probably in some type of weird order. Uh, Larry talked, well, kind of brought, one, I mentioned part of this. One, these things are just like my thoughts or, or just random headlines I saw. MAGA social media app, Gitter, lays off entire IT team, IT team amid financial woes. Um... I get it, and I, it's it's our fault for telling people to build their own social media networks. 
Um, they did listen to us specifically. Yeah. It really you more than anybody. Yeah. Yeah. I I don't think they're thinking this whole like the the cake through. Um, it's the cake. The cake. If you're gonna make a cake, you have to follow instructions, right? You can't cut. You can't cut corners. And that's true. And I think they're thinking that everybody loves social media. That's true, but not true. The, the reality is it's a product that has uh, its own ecosystem that you have to foster, and it's not just about getting people to like or share. Right. you got to have the right tool set and commitment to like, build it and support it and maintain it. So uh, you, you people out there trying to cut corners, that's what you get. You're going to end up like these, like Gitter, which is a stupid name too. The second yeah. one is the... The people in Oklahoma, I don't want to say the stupid state of Oklahoma, I have a good friend from Oklahoma. Um, yeah. But they are trying to find teachers up to $10,000 for teaching anything that contradicts religion. Yep. I, because, you know, separation of church and state is definitely not in the Constitution or anything. Nope, that, but that, that's strictly, like, to a traditionalist. <laughs> I know. means you can't have a state religion, right? Um, right. I don't know what to say to that. Um, I, just, I just thought I was like... I mean, it's incredibly ignorant, right, is what it... Because, like, what, what, is, what is your definition of religion, right, in this case? Because you could, in theory, right, have the church... Uh, what is it? The sat- Satanists, right, sure. who have in Oklahoma, I believe, actually done a lot of work around, like, if you guys want to erect a, a, a statue of Jesus, uh, you know, at the at the uh, town hall, that's cool, but we're going to demand a statue for Satan as well. <laughs> like, and they got it. Like, it's one of the, but it's, it's try, I think more than anything, it's trying to highlight the absurdity of these things, right? Like, that your government doesn't need to be erecting statues and churches and, like, stuff to that of your religious figures. Like, that's what your church is for, if that's what you want to do. I, and I guess I feel the same way to an extent about education in this in this standpoint. Yeah. And I, I, it's, it's a tricky thing, because I don't, you know, like, I don't think it's as simple as being like, well, evolution, we ought to just teach evolution to everybody. But I do think, like, there's an element of, hey, here's the theory of evolution, right? There are other theories out there about where we came from that you as individual students are welcome to ask your parents about, or if it's, you know, part of your religion, like you can ask your religious leaders about and learn more about it that way. But I, I would just think more than anything, like I wouldn't want a teacher teaching religious stuff to my kids if they didn't believe or understand it. Well, I mean, the, I could say that I have had experiences where teachers are, they, they, in my experience, right, through my set of kids, where I have a t- tendency to believe that schools are teaching like agnostic or atheist views. So okay. it's a very slippery slope. I'm just yeah. saying, like, uh, for all, and so it makes it challenging for me as a parent and a person of faith to kind of like have certain conversations because now I have to combat and argue with somebody that my kid spends like you know, an hour with five days a week for, you know, months at a time and they've had some influence and they probably make pretty good arguments, right? Um, And especially once they get to college. I'm not pro finding teachers $10,000. I'm just saying, like, the argument of trying to 
in martial arts and most self-defense you, you learn a, a simple practice when somebody punches at you the last thing you want to do is tense up right uh, that's how things get broken so it's kind of rolling with the punches the, and you have to understand what the actual opponent's trying to do to you or what the actual opposition is. The opposition here, when it comes to religion and, and or, uh, in, in America, is that we have crappy marketing. This God, lowercase g, is really shitty. <laughs> so, like, I wouldn't want to have anything to do with that at all. And I get that. And I, it, I just find it interesting that's the tattoo they're going to take. Um, doesn't solve anything, makes things a little bit more complicated, and it makes these arguments come up. So, when there was another state who was at least proposing, I want to say it was Montana or somewhere up there, where it was basically like they were going to install cameras in all of the classrooms that would be live so that parents could log in and see what the teachers were teaching their kids, 20, like basically throughout <laughs> the entire day. And this was all supposed to be designed to combat. The, you know, the perceived threat of critical race theory, essentially. Awesome. Yeah. Right? We have money to install secret cameras in every classroom in the state, but we can't pay for the books that these kids need to actually learn the shit that they're supposed to be learning. Good on you, government. <laughs> well, our next... <laughs> the next part of this garbage that we got going on is the uh, new mayor of New York City, uh, uh, Mayor Adams had to literally make a statement <laughs> to tell people every now and then I eat fish. Now, I will say... You're not a vegan. Yeah, you're not a vegan. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> you're a pescatarian, and that's okay. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. I, I think nope. I think where he missed the mark, and just... And it's not like a... Uh, it, actually, it is. It is a critique. I don't understand why that was ever a conversation. I don't understand why that was yeah. the hill he was willing to die on. I started out as a vegan, and then I have kind of settled on not only fish every now and then because of my wife, and because I like ceviche, and, I, and that's something that I just got to eat. Um, I'm okay with that. But Mayor Adams, I'm not sure why that was a hill you wanted to die on. You have a healthy life. I mean, your, what your diet is healthy if that's what you're you know, prescribing for yourself. But it's also not something that you should, you know, really advocate. I don't advocate my diet to anybody. Um, yeah, that's that's the whole thing. It's like, I, who cares? Yeah. Right? Like, it's not like people voted for you just because you were vegan. I can't <laughs> imagine. I mean, maybe, maybe there were some people, right, who were like, oh, he's a vegan. He's got to be a good guy. But, I mean, I've met plenty of shitty vegans. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Last thing in the what is this garbage like you know realm of things is I keep hearing oh. about this uh, euphoria is being uh, attacked or criticized by uh, Dare, and um, I don't even know what that stands for anymore. But Dare, the, 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 the drug awareness resistance education. Okay, didn't work in my neighborhood when I was growing up, but. Um, my, I won the sixth grade dare essay contest at my school. <laughs> now you smoke weed. <laughs> Super successful. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you'll find for most of the kids that excelled at the dare program. It wasn't so much about teaching us how not to get drugs. It was like, kids, these are where the drugs are, so don't go there, okay? And these are how the drugs are going to make you feel. And that sounds cool, right? But it's probably not. So don't do that, okay? And we're like... So where did we go to get the drugs again? Yeah. Just so we make sure we stay away from there. You've equipped these kids with like a, a terrible 
It's a little sad. So my my issue with this whole critique is where were they at with Breaking Bad? I remember, and I never watched that show, but I I know that yeah. I've always told people I'm like I don't watch it because I feel like it glorifies something that I'm not really a supporter of. And I always tell people if if it was like my man in the inner city, it would be a different show. It'd be one episode. Yeah. I mean, wasn't that like The Wire, basically? Sure, never watched that show either, but sure. Okay. I'm not into crime so stuff, I, to be honest with you. No, and, and I'm not... I go back and forth. Like, I watch most of Breaking Bad. Um, I have not watched any of Euphoria, which kind of upsets me because Zendaya's in it. But, um, but she's great. I just, I like her a lot. Like, I, I mean, I, I know you're not the big, like, Spider-Man No Way Home that's all. Fans, I am probably... not what I'm saying. That's like, please don't take that out of context. But okay. No, I'm not. No. <laughs> um, but yeah, like I'm with you in that. Ultimately, I don't really see a difference. I mean, if if both again, I have very little uh, to reference for Euphoria, so I'll focus more on my my question around Breaking Bad. Having watched Breaking Bad, I will say that there was not a single moment in that show where I was like, man, I really want to do some meth. Like, they make <laughs> meth look fun. Like, that show, if nothing else, convinced me that, like, heroin and meth are some things that I would, even though I'd already basically been like, yeah, no. Like, this was, like, the hard, like, oh, my God, absolutely no. There was just a lot of stuff. I mean, people, like, ODing and people's lives getting totally screwed but up. But the comeuppance was about your boy. Right. That, that, well, but, that, and, that's and part of it is that I never watched. I never watched the last season. Right. Like everybody started flipping out about the last season and how bad it was and stuff. And so, like, I think I watched two episodes and then I was just like, all right, I'm not even going to bother at this point. Like it was one of those where I kind of felt like it was lost or I was going to enjoy it. And then I was going to get to the end. I was going to be like, that sucked. And now it kind of ruined. See, and now I'm like validating your point. <laughs> No, but see, I can still sit there and say that Lost seasons two. No, you can't. You're done. One, two, no, one, two, five, and six up until the very last episode, all really good television. No. Not made worse by the last episode, but the last episode did ultimately taint what could have been a really great finale. Well, with that, I mean, that's a wrap up on just some things that we wanted to touch on real quick. (laughs) And Chris, thank you for validating my point. I am vindicated. And let's move on. Only slightly. (laughs) Only slightly. (laughs) 